just this vision of wanting to escape into the machine. I just, you know, I, I just, I found the vision itself so odd and so compelling and it is something. So for me, you know, a lot of the stuff I, a lot of stuff I do always think about is, you know, what can art actually do politically and like, should you even worry about it? I mean, like, should, like, like, and it's an open question for me, but it's always a question I'm really consumed with. And so for me, you know, because if art can't do anything, then it's just a retreat. So thinking of thinking of leaving the world and going into this like beautiful or dystopian space, but definitely leaving the world and escaping from it became a metaphor that I could use to line up with my other concerns. Hey, and welcome back to Marquee Mixtape. This is the podcast about repertory cinema in New York City, and I'm your host, Alec Rodriguez. This month on the show, I'm excited to cover a film series from the Museum of the Moving Image in Astoria, Queens. That film series is called Welcome to the Machine, and it features a selection of films that depict digital devices entrapping humans. Those movie titles are called The Matrix, Ghost in the Shell, 1995, the anime, Tron, the original, Existence, The Lawnmower Man, Alphaville, Johnny Mnemonic, World on a Wire, and THX 1138. There's a couple of contemporary short films that are included, like director Hannah Whitaker's Operator and director John Menick's Auto Extinction. Welcome to the Machine launched just a couple of months ago in December, with screenings slated through March 2nd. The film series coincides with the exhibition of artist David Levine's new 20-minute holographic film, Dissolution, which is on view in the museum's amphitheater gallery. And yes, you heard right, that's a holographic film, or as David clarified for me in our conversation, a volumetric image. Dissolution is an absolutely fascinating viewing experience that has really stuck with me these past few weeks and kind of like a computer virus. It's been bugging my thoughts, but in the best possible way. The mechanism that's doing the work to project this volumetric image is known as the Voxon VX1. And it looks like a piece of technology from a 1980s science fiction movie, kind of like the holograms that are often used in Star Wars or even something modern, kind of like uh, Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Um, I'm thinking that classic scene with the android David and the giant star map hologram. In David Levine's film, Dissolution, his machine is projecting images onto a floating 3D sculpture. It, the film itself is essentially made of 3D animations, and it's showing us visions of the future that are kind of juxtaposed with images of museums and mazes and Greek mythology from the distant past. It's giving Westworld, Tron, and so many more callbacks. I don't want to give too much away, and I'll certainly let David explain the narrative as told in our conversation, but it has a lot of engaging ideas and themes to chew on, and if you're a fan of science fiction, then you're definitely going to dig this. Dissolution is on view at the Museum of the Moving Image until March 3rd. I'm going to leave some links in the show notes so that you can learn more about how you can plan your visit. Now, the ongoing film series Science on Screen has been on my radar for a few years. Um, I've always seen it kind of pop up here and there. But it wasn't until last summer that I was able to finally catch a film there for the first time at the museum's Redstone Theater. 
And that movie was David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. And that was also the first time I learned about Sonia Epstein and got to see her moderate a Q&A with Aaron Guerrero. She was the postpartum nurse that consulted on the 2023 Dead Ringers TV adaptation for Prime Video. In this episode, you're going to hear my conversation with Sonia and David. They partnered up to program the film series Welcome to the Machine. I think this is a really fun and interactive way to supplement David's installation at the museum with some movie screenings and vice versa. David Levine's dissolution and the film series Welcome to the Machine are coming to a close on March 3rd, which is coming up very soon. So I'm just going to take us straight to our conversation so you can learn more about it. So let's take it there. Okay, so Sonia and David, thank you so much for being here on Marquee Mixtape. Uh, how are y'all doing today? Feeling good. Monday, Excellent. end of day. <laughs> yes, awesome, awesome. So happy to have you here. Um, so I want to start off by asking you both, how did this collaboration begin? How did Science on Screen and Dissolution kind of come together? When did you two meet? Um, and we just go from there. <laughs> sure, yeah. I can start. You can chime in, David. Um, yeah. We we had a, a, I guess, a sequence of of meetings. I would say the first time I saw David's piece, and and for those who haven't seen it, I know you obviously have, Alec. But um, you know, it's a piece that you you kind of need to see in person. Um, and uh, so you know, obviously, encourage everyone to come out to Momi to see it that way. But so. Um, my first experience with it, I was lucky enough to actually happen upon an instance of seeing it in person when David was doing sort of a friends and family, I think, private screening presentation at Triple Canopy, right? Yeah, it was about to, um, I was I was about to exhibit it in Paris in about um, five weeks, uh, five weeks or um, six weeks beforehand. And so I screened it at Triple Canopy in an unfinished state just to gauge how it was working. Where is Triple Canopy? Triple Canopy's offices are downtown on Canal Street. Okay. It's it's an online platform and magazine, and um, I've worked with them a bunch. So they were like, why don't you screen it here? We'll do a one-off. And I didn't know if it would ever be back in New York. Mm. So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, And so, yeah, and Sonia, a mutual friend, brought Sonia to that. Yeah, so it was... You know, and it was it was definitely it was like a, a crowded, you know, room and and the audio was great, but it was sort of hard, you know, I got a, a sense of what the piece was, but I wouldn't say yeah. it was like an optimal viewing experience. Mm. Um but yeah, that was my first encounter with it. And um we then I don't know if it's worth getting into or not, but then we we had another run in um at a Halloween party and Oh it's screenplay Halloween party. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard of this one. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So basically, you all just kind of met recently in the past year. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, I saw I saw Sonia, and I was like, um, it's you know, it's this was this was after this is after I'd finished the piece and it had been exhibited in Paris, and I was like, come back and see the finished product. And Ed Halter at um, Ed Halter at Light Industry had been had been to my studio and seen it, and had said, you know, you actually you actually should really talk to somebody at Museum of the Moving Image about this piece. And later that day, I ran to Sonia. And we were oh, wow. Wow. That's all, that is so, so cool. Now, Sonia, had you ever seen anything like Dissolution before when you saw no. it the first time? I can frankly say no, um, which is the beauty of it. I mean, it's not something that I think has ever been done before in the sense that, you know, the way 
which David can speak to, but the way he did mm-hmm. it was kind of modifying an existing technology and that technology in and of itself is not something that is in wide use by any means. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I know there's like the holographic art Institute used to be a museum, Mm -hmm. different variations of, you know, kind of that art. And I've exhibited some sort of artists who identify as artists working with light. So moving images Mm -hmm. in light. Um, But that's, you know, that's a lot of cinema, if you will. Mm. So no, I had never seen anything like David's piece. David, would you mind describing to the listeners what type of a movie, <laughs> what, type of a, what type of a format, yeah. what type of a viewing experience dissolution is? Yeah. Um, well, it's probably as close to your idea of a hologram, like a Star Wars influenced idea of a hologram as you can actually get. It's a, it's a small image, but it's fully in 3D. Like you can walk around it. You don't need glasses. It, it ex, you know, it exists in space. It's not etched in glass. Uh, it's glitchy. Um, that said, it turns out that I, I found this out when I started working on it. That's not, that is technically not a hologram. Uh, because a hologram is technically etched in glass uh, or some kind of image that has a, that you can only view from a, a certain restricted viewing angle of like 180 degrees or something. And what this is, is actually a volumetric image uh, is the technical term for it. Uh, and so it does do all those things. It floats in space, it, you know. Um, and the trick behind this particular volumetric display, because the thing about, I mean, the reason Star Wars is fictional, the reason Blade Runner, the holograms in all the movies are kind of fictional, is because the thing about holograms is you actually need to project onto something. Mm-hmm. You can't just aim a light yeah. beam, and <laughs> the, the light has to reflect or hit off something. And there's various solutions to that. There's you know smoke, like Tony Arsler uses smoke really effectively. You can project onto like a form. Mm-hmm. Um, and what this company came up with was you could also project onto a plate of glass that's flying up and down at 30 frames per a horizontal plane of glass flying up and down at 30 frames per second, roughly. So basically it's, it's animation with like a Z axis, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's the flying up and down that gives it the illusion of volume and size. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what, that, that's what the tech is. So if you walk in, it, I basically, I put the projector inside a pedestal. So it looks like, it looks like a sculpture. It looks like what you're looking at is a there's a there's a railing around it, like for a very valuable sculpture kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's just the image is floating above a plinth to be considered from all angles. The only difference is, you know, if you try to touch it, you may or may not lose a finger <laughs> because there is this, there is this yeah. plate of glass. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I remember um, you, you did kind of bring this up in the in the talk you had at, at the museum uh, a week or so ago. The typing furiously, I'm I'm in. Uh, talk and uh, and yeah, when when I got to see it for myself, uh, you know, the the first thing that I heard was uh, the sound of the 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 the, the, the sound and, and it reminded yeah. me almost of like a floppy disk. You know, the sound of a floppy disk when you kind of pull it in and, and pull it out of the computer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like I I loved all of the the analog feels you know that that came with the the experience of, of watching dissolution, but also like you said, you, you know you just also kind of feel some sort of a threat. <laughs> you know, if, if you get too close to it, you might not want to get, you know, too close to the sun. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, also love that too. That's kind of why, <laughs> that's kind of why I fell in love with it because it just, it does, it, I mean, you saw it, you saw it on a really noisy night, but it is, it's so violently analog. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been, I think I said this in that talk too, like I've been asked, 
I've been asked to like pitch VR pieces and I have no interest in it because it's so, yeah, it's so ghostly and ethereal and non-existent. And this is really, mm-hmm. this is here. You can feel it. Yeah. You know, if, you, yeah. if you're in my studio, you can feel it in your feet as, as the springs and the motors go. So, and that was what really won me over to it was the analog mm-hmm. feel of this very advanced thing. So did they find you or did you find them? Uh, the, the folks that kind of were designing this, uh, this mechanism. I found I found them because I I mostly work in performance and I was kind of looking for a way of dealing with actors that wasn't quite so like heavy, just bodies are mm-hmm. so heavy. And I went looking around for what I thought was a hologram, you know, and then I found out you can't actually do what I wanted, but I did find this tech. And I was so taken by I was so taken by all its analog qualities and like the particular its particular palette, like the color mm-hmm. palette and like the weird restrictions, but also the hypnotic elements of this really small image. And so I, I found them, and then I started working with them to design codecs and kind of improve their Unity plugins because it's it's not really it's really not built to do what we did with it. Right. Um, but, amazing. Uh, yeah. When did we know when you and Sonia came together to, you know, potentially get, get this into the museum at the time, but was the idea of pairing it with a repertory film series uh, kind of always there or did that kind of evolve uh, with your discussions? That was, that evolved with our discussions, but, but from early on, I would say, mm. um, you know, I think it was in my mind that, you know, we are obviously a museum that has gallery space as well as film programming. I work in mm-hmm. both. So, you know, looking for those connections is something that I'm always doing at the same time. Not every piece is the right kind of fit for yeah. a film series. And uh, one of the things that I loved about Dissolution and, and learning about it with or from David was all of the various references that or 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 you know, illusions that exist Mm -hmm. in this, you know, very concise piece. Um, So everything from different mediums like video games, television, you know, clips, uh, films to, uh, you know, literal lines drawn from, you know, different kinds of texts and things like that. So, so inherent in our discussions and in his fascination with the medium, what were a lot of references. And so I think that that was how, the ideas started forming was, you know, there's this idea of a person being zapped in a machine where, where, Mm. where was that originally? That was, you Mm. know, Tron. And so, you know, the the films were very much part of, you know, us talking about the piece and then it, you know, made sense to show them. Go ahead, David. Oh, no, when, we, when, I, when, when Sony and I initially started talking, I was, I was telling my friends about it, and they were like, you should only do it if you get to do a film screening series. <laughs> uh, so every, everybody kind of expected that there would be on my end as well, for no good reason. But were, that would be the best part. So. Was this the first time that you co-programmed slash curated a film series? Uh, yeah. I mean, wow. totally. But I mean, I, would, I, would, I, would, I think you're overstating, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, so like, I, I didn't. Sony really, Sony really programmed it, and you know, like, I, but we brainstormed a bunch, you mm-hmm. know, obviously, like. But it's you know, art. The other thing too is like in the art world, like, like imagine everything I'm about to say in air quotes, like artists <laughs> air quotes, curate air quotes, screening series air quotes in galleries all the time. 
you know, it's just basically give them a list of things like the actual, the actual professional stuff that people like Sonia or you do, you know, so, so Sonia let me participate. Well, but, yeah. but David also, I mean, there, there were films in the series that I wouldn't have necessarily seen or known about specifically, mm. you know, the two recent films that we showed, like it is a repertory program, but um, mm -hmm. you know, because of David's, participation we showed um two works by artists that uh he was in conversation yeah. with hannah whitaker and, and john medic so those were shorts that we paired with the i love features. that yeah so yeah. i think that was really additive uh, I, I really feel like those having those short films that are you know from contemporary uh, filmmakers really adds to i guess like the goals and the missions of you know science on screen and and the museum the moving image uh it all just kind of fits fits in a piece there how how did this process work then? I guess this question is more for Sonia. Like when you're sort of, uh, you know, you have your selections, where do you kind of take that um, to kind of making that a reality at the museum? Um, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, films that you're going to have on 35 millimeter versus stuff yeah. you're going to have on DCP. Um, and also deciding which, which movie is going to play at the Bardo screen room and which ones are going to play in the Redstone theater. Totally. Mm. It Good is, question. it is a real, uh, well, it's a team, it's a team effort. I'll say, you know, I, mm -hmm. I work with, uh, my colleagues, Eric Hines and Edo Choi on every, you know, scheduling, booking, um, also sort of, you know, running the ideas by them. Um, so it's, I wouldn't want to pretend that it's, you know, only me there, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, David and I spoke, we brainstormed the initial list I had for this series was, you know, probably 30 films or something. So first, you know, it's a, it's a matter of scope. And, mm -hmm. um, I felt like, you know, it, it was important to have the film series start a little bit after, dissolution open to give sort of the work its space and then also to provide an opportunity for people to come back to see it. So you want to kind of think about, you know, staggering, uh, having points during the exhibition that are kind of, you know, pinpoints for people to make a, you know, make a plan to come out. I thought that's know. a brilliant strategy, Sonia. I, I've, I don't really remember seeing that, um, you know, anywhere else, whether it was a different museum or a different theater, but I really thought that was brilliant to kind of stagger the series out from December through March um, because the dissolution is, you know, it's 20 minutes. So it is, it's not like it, it's not like it takes your whole, your whole day up. Right. So if you want to go back and maybe re-examine something in, in dissolution and, you know, pair it with the screening, or even if you want to just watch the screening at home, like it's, there's a lot to kind of chew on there. So that thought that yeah. was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad you thought it worked. That's, you know, you kind of make things up in a room and uh, <laughs> hope, hope that they make sense to someone else. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was kind of the thinking. So the scope, uh, the time period definitely determines uh, how many films, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, we could show. Uh, I like the idea curatorially of double features. So that was also an important part of it. So, you know, mm -hmm. most people don't come for both films, but at least, you know, to my eyes and to other people who are mm -hmm. curious about those things, pairing, you know, the pairings of films uh, yeah. were really interesting. And, and you don't see a lot of double features in New York City. Um, yeah, you know well, I mean? people in New York are busy. True, that's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, we did like a special combo price if you want to mm -hmm. come see both kind of thing. And people do. It's not like, you know, uh, it's not like that wasn't 
lost. Um, but right. that was also, you know, one of the nice things about showing shorts is, you know, mm-hmm. it's a double feature, but it's also a very short, uh, short one, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's related to the scope. And then, um, you know, some of the films I knew existed in 35 or in restored DCPs um, mm-hmm. in part, partly influenced in for this particular series uh, by, I believe it was 2016, um, like a special edition of the Berlinale Film Festival, which is mm. coming up this week, in fact. Um, yeah. They always have a retrospective section. And a number of years ago, maybe even one of the first times that I went, the theme was science fiction. And they showed uh, World on a Wire and THX 1138 yeah. and these really beautiful... And that's when I got to see those films in the theater. And mm. I think those films in particular, I'd say, are ones that you kind of need to see in a theater or in a theatrical setting to A, sit through and B, appreciate what's being done. Um, So, you know, that's how I knew there were 35 millimeter prints of those films, for example, and that screening is coming up in early March. Um, Mm. So, and then, you know, my colleague Edo Choi is, you know, responsible for all the film booking. So he's going to all the distributors and, you know, seeing what actually is available and in circulation and when we can get it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we had Tron originally scheduled to open the series, but then that distributor takes longer to approve things. So we move that like it's, you know, there's, there's certainly a a calculus. And then between Bartos and Redstone. Yeah. I mean, Momi has a lot of programming. Uh, We're often showing things in both theaters. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a matter of, format and you know what will look best in what theater sometimes it's a matter of what the counter programming is and mm-hmm. what needs the bigger space what will hold up in the smaller space or what actually will work better in the smaller space because there's some films where you know you really want to feel the the screen sort of mm-hmm. up close whereas some right. you want to be sort of more immersed in the environment around you totally um yeah so yeah. I've got to say, watching watching these kind of movies, watching these movies in the Redstone in particular, is just like yeah. I mean, I granted I was extremely high for the Tron screen, but <laughs> yeah. watching watching that whole fractal kind of wall treatment around the oh, screen yeah. during it was the same with the Matrix. I was just really struck by what an especially appropriate room that was for these kind of mm. movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the museum itself is, you know, sort of a, an ode to 2001, a space odyssey. So I think the sort of science fiction aesthetic is. Oh, absolutely. And and dissolution, just like, it feels like it belongs in that space. You know what I mean? Um, It feels like it's a home, like that the museum itself is meant to be a home for, for dissolution (laughs) and, and for that, for that film series. Um, let- so too. I'll just add, <laughs> just just to jump in, that like one of the great things I think about David's piece and why it immediately kind of revealed itself to make so much sense for Momi is kind of the way it's interacting with this like so-called technology of, technology of the future, if mm-hmm. you think of holograms as such, uh, or at least holograms being a part of a representation of the future in mm-hmm. films about, you know, that, yeah. that uh, deal with that and um, looking at the reality of it. Yeah. <laughs> and in some ways it's kind of a, a, a very real yeah. sort of 
you know, it's so beautiful. Like it's every time it turns on, I mean, like David and I were in the space the other day and it turned mm-hmm. on and immediately he and I both started taking photos of it. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, why are we doing this? We have a million yeah. photos. <laughs> but there's something <laughs> yeah. so like magical about it working yeah. that I think also is an underhanded comment, or I would say I can take it as that on like the promises of like, right. you know, technology, if you will. Right. And I, I got to go back and, and see it yesterday. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, I, I did try taking photos as well. I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, I just got to like be in the moment with this thing. And um, well, also the irony being that it's almost unphotographable. That's that, what I'm that, saying. Like, <laughs> like you want to shoot it, but like of all the pieces, it's just impossible <laughs> to shoot. But. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's so funny. So for, this, is a, this is a question for both of you. Um, which film in this series were you most excited to screen, um, especially for people who might have never heard of that film or just going to discover it for the first time? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like Sonia and I, we had like, I think we had two automatic no-brainers that we both had on our list. And, you know, mm-hmm. one was Tron and the other one was Lawnmower Man. Um, you know and they're very they're like practically opposite movies um but you know everybody's heard of tron but very few people have actually seen it especially not in the theater and i was very and i I understand momi treated screened it in 70 a few years ago yeah yeah um yeah you know like so i was i was super stoked for that and you know and lawnmower man again it's like it's not a movie many people have seen, and if they have seen, like they, they don't actually nobody nobody really knows what's so radical about it, like visually, unless unless you see it. And so right, right. I was psyched about that. The Matrix felt more obligatory, I think, for both of us. Mm. Like you yeah, have to screen right. it, but yeah. uh, but it was yeah. still. I, I was surprised. I think I did a show of hands before the screening of the Matrix. Yeah. Like, who had seen it before? And it was like half the people had not seen it wow. before. Yeah. So it That's might amazing. seem obligatory. Yeah, like in the sense of we all know the references. Like we all mm-hmm. understand what you mean by like, you know, red pill, blue pill. But mm-hmm. actually yeah. sitting through the film, I, you know. Anyway, yeah, that was curious. <laughs> but uh, I was, I think I am most excited about I mean, obviously, I love all the films, and it's hard to mm-hmm. pick a favorite. But World on a Wire for me is, mm. um, I think, partly for the reason that I said it's very long. You know, it's not; it's three and a half hours. Um, it's a Fassbender film from 1973. He originally made it as a two-part television series. Oh. It wasn't really discovered until 2010 when it was like remastered in this version. You know, so it can screen yeah. theatrically. So it's. I mean, certainly people have seen it and, you know, Fassbender is a well-known filmmaker, but it's just a really aesthetically pleasing uh, look at kind of a dystopian society um, Mm. that is, you know, ruled by a giant computer, not unlike other films in the series, but it has like a, you know, such a, I guess, yeah, distinctive aesthetic that, um, yeah, I'm pretty psyched. And we're showing it at 35. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for that. I've never heard of this movie. (laughs) I've never heard of this movie. And uh, the fact that it's on 35, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to be there. It's a real experience. Like, you just, like, remember the images. Like, the, I mean, it. the layer, it's dealing with different, like, layers of reality. And are we all Mm. in, like, a, you know, metaverse kind of question. Yeah. Um, So, anyway. Yeah. Another question for both of you is uh, of these selections, uh, which which of these has been the most formative for you? 
you know, formative to you as, as people and as artists and, you know, and just the work you do in general? Uh, Sonia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is a great question. Um, I wish I could be David and say Tron. Uh, (laughs) I mean, honestly, in terms of the most formative, I do think The Matrix was Mm. the most formative because of the age I was that I saw it because of what a phenomenon it was because it introduced like not just a kind of uh, new type of film in a way or a riff on older modes of, you know, genres of films, but Mm -hmm. uh, because it also introduced like a kind of like clothing style and like way of, you know, the look of, of programmers and hackers and, um, you know, that sort of (laughs) post-punk aesthetic. I don't know. Like there's, that was certainly like a big part of my youth. I don't know how it contributed to me being a curator. I, Mm -hmm. I have no idea, (laughs) but uh, they're all films that, you know, I, I have, you know, I would say somewhat formative memories of seeing Nice. Yeah, I think for me, um, neither one was really formative on my practice as an artist, but they were very formative on my way of thinking about this mm. this movie. I mean, this this movie in particular that I was making, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Tron made an incredibly strong impression on me as like a ten or eleven year old when I saw it. I mean, eighty three, eighty three. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and I and I've said this a lot, and I've thought about it a lot. It's just like it's just the most beautiful utopian vision of the internet and you just can't you know you can't have that after 85 or 86 but one condition of that is also the fact that it's mostly cell animation it's not Mm. there's there's hardly any cgi in it it's like like an idea of what cgi could look like Mm -hmm. um and the other thing that was really important the other big influence but it didn't make sense in the series was max headroom um, which was a contemporaneous, um, but just these visions of like, just this vision of wanting to escape into the machine. I just, you know, I, I just, I found the vision itself so odd and so compelling and it is mm-hmm. something. So for me, you know, a lot of the stuff I, a lot of stuff I do always think about is, you know, what, what kind of claims, what can art actually do politically and like, mm-hmm. should we even worry about it? I mean, mm. like, 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 and it's an open question for me, but it's always a question yeah. I'm really consumed with. And so for me, you know, because if art can't do anything, then it's just a retreat. So mm. thinking of thinking of leaving the world and going into this like beautiful or dystopian space, but definitely leaving the world and escaping mm. from it became a metaphor that I could use to line up with my other concerns. I love that. I love that. So of these movies, which one are you hoping is going to challenge audiences? David. <laughs> I mean, beyond, beyond, the, beyond the sex scene and beyond the virtual I know, sex beyond, scene. I think uh, Lawnmower Man Lawnmower was Man. challenging. I mean, or like, I think it took yeah. people, I mean, you were there, Alec, at the screening. Like, mm. I, I think certainly like I had a friend, for instance, who was there, who at the beginning was sort of like, oh, I just like wanted to come and like, see this mm-hmm. talk and like I'm not sure if I'll stay maybe I'll sit through the beginning and then at like 10 minutes in he turned to me and was like I need to see this um, <laughs> I think like it's just a really odd film that um, mm-hmm. somehow made it out there and uh, was is an unexpectedly good time especially you know when seen 
in the context that we're hoping to provide with the show. So, mm-hmm. um, and but, Danielle, you know, said this. Danielle said this in the in the talk. You know, when you when you look at when you look at when you look at that, like specifically that sex scene. You know, mm-hmm. you think about how limited people's imaginations are with like what life would look like in the internet. Yeah, um, it is. It is so. I mean, it's a terrible movie, and it has a really acrid taste. But it is. It is actually legitimately bonkers and like yes. really yes. kind of adventurous. Yes. Um, I would also hope that people watched World on the Wire, which is yeah. you know, which is great and also challenging, and mm. you know, and also kind of acrid. Uh, but it's beautiful to look at, and you know, I mean, I guess, I guess for me, my votes would be, my votes would be World on a Wire and. I mean, the problem with Tron being so utopian is that it's also like non-applicable. But I would actually, I actually, yeah, I'd say Lawnmower Man and World on a Wire would be the ones that I would really hope people expose. And I mean, I'll just add that of all the, I would say this is like one of the more fun film series I've Mm -hmm. curated. Like I I don't actually Mm -hmm. think that there's too many films in here that are too challenging in the sense of, you know, hard to kind of understand or like mm-hmm. that. I mean, there are certainly some that people won't have seen. Um, I think Alphaville could be challenging, you know, depending on mm-hmm. what your expectations are. Um, right. But it's a pretty, I think it's an, I feel like it's a nice mix of known films or commonly referenced films that a lot of people haven't seen and is a really sort of important, I would hope, uh, way into conversations about, um, you know, issues that people are currently dealing with and talking about related to as yeah. thing, these fantasies of yeah. escape, you know, our relationship mm-hmm. to our phones, like all of these, you know, topics that we're all sort of also bored of talking about. Right. But hopefully these are like an entryway to get you one level deeper. Right. When um when when would you say you fell in love with science and technology? Me? Both of you. The curator of science (laughs) and technology. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Right. Uh, Yeah. I definitely medicine and uh, those, you know, the body and biology to a certain extent were always, I grew up with a family of, you know, doctors, my dad and extended family on that side. And so those were sort of always in the parlance. And, um, you know, I worked at a biology lab in high school in the summers with um, sharks and things like that. So, and then, you know, in my career, I've kind of developed that as a specific interest. So I think it was Mm -hmm. in a way something I grew up with. Um, And certainly being a millennial, I think (laughs) us as a generation, we're very aware of, you know, if I can broadly say our relationship yeah. to technology. Um, mm-hmm. So those were some of the contributing factors. And then I, you know, have had some very specific career experiences working for a neuroscientist, uh, you know, working on a television show about the brain, like various things that have kind of gotten mm-hmm. me deeper and deeper into that world with while avoiding being a scientist, which I did not want to do. Uh, and am not to clarify. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's always kind of been there. And I think, um, my perspective is not so much, my perspective is partly, you know, learning about these topics or engaging with these topics, programs that kind of engage with science also allow people to sort of further 
question the information mm. that comes to them and different yeah. things about the world. And that's kind of like the, what I hope for, what my like drive is curatorially. I love that. I love that. How about you, David? Um, I, <laughs> honestly, um, I have no relationship to science or technology. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think, but no, but, but, but the irony of this whole thing is that I, you know, like I, I'm a performance guy. Most of my museum mm-hmm. exhibitions, I'm an ex theater director. Most of my museum mm-hmm. exhibitions have to do with like really heavily analog bodies, uh, you know, in gallery spaces. So working on this was a complete, was a complete, um, you know, like a diversion for me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think my, so I, although I do spend like, you know, much too much, too much, too much time on my phone and I'm fascinated by how <laughs> I, I know, but I'm fascinated by how and why that happens. And so obviously mm-hmm. as Sandra was saying, you know, that these things are metaphors. It's these things are metaphors for that. They're always metaphors, yeah. like they're metaphors for immersion. Right. And mm-hmm. we're immersed, even if we're not, you know, like, so, um, but it, this was this was a thing I kind of had to learn to fall in love with, and now you know, like mm. I, I'm in love with repairing it um, when it breaks. <laughs> um, I've got. I, I mean, the fact that I can fix it, I'm actually really like I, I'm really kind of excited by. It, but I don't I don't have the same kind of that's that's not the stuff I think about. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And so, and. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, having you know done the uh, programming of the series, um, is there something new that you discovered about your relationship to science, technology, science fiction, everything that's kind of involved with the Welcome to the Machine series and your film Dissolution? I guess both of you can answer. Hmm. Is there something we've learned, David? <laughs> learned uh, that, that we really like working together. Yeah, uh, we we are we are we are compatibly like cranky. Um, <laughs> uh, we have similar. I mean, one thing I was, I was super, I was super psyched. I mean, I was just I you know when when Sonia came to see it when when she came to see it in my studio, really the first thing we started doing this is before this is before she even invited me to show it at Momi was we just started geeking out on movies and like related movies (laughs) movies that played with this. So I was really like, this is the curator I should be working with. Like she actually gets, she really, she really gets what I'm messing around with here. Um, I think that's a great thing to have learned. I think, you know, the the work of being a curator, sometimes, you know, if you're doing a full on repertory screening, often you're not working with artists, you know, films that I'm showing where, you know, you're just kind of booking a film and showing it though at Momi, we always try to, you know, engage filmmakers directly and bring them and have conversations and things like that. But, um, you know, especially where we have an exhibition up for six months or something, you know, this is an extended Mm -hmm. period of time in which we're, uh, you know, in, in close dialogue and that's, it's not a given that that is a good experience. So, um, I actually think it's a great thing to have learned and I really value it. And, you know, uh, those are the artists who, you know, David has turned me on to and, um, you know, that has also been a nice kind of bonus, I'd say. Um, Mm -hmm. And sort of his world, because as he's saying, like he, you know, his, his background as an artist is more in theater. So it's also coming from a different place. Like I was showing a curator, the work, you know, the other day and she was like, why didn't the artist make a single channel film? Like, what was it about this medium? And I was like, he doesn't even make single channel films. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's a different, you know, coming at it from a different place um, than, you know, some 
filmmakers or artists who we do show. And I think that's really valuable for the museum as well. Yeah. I think um, for anyone in New York or in general that's looking for, um, you know, a truly unique uh, experience to uh, watch a film, uh, whether it's dissolution or, uh, or discover something new in a welcome to the machine. I think uh, what you two did are doing right now, uh, is really special and unique. So I, uh, I applaud you both. And I thank you both so much again for talking with me today. Um, before you leave, did you want to leave, uh, you know, any social media plugs or anything for people to find you? Yeah, sure. You can follow at Moving Image NYC. Um, you know, we're posting all the screenings. I usually uh, will also, you know, post them to my accounts. But um, we have, I believe, four remaining screenings as part of Welcome to the Machine. Um, so there's some good stuff to look out for. And um, people can look at the Science on Screen series uh, that is, you know, under the movingimage.org banner. Um, I will say I have to discuss this with David, in fact, maybe after <laughs> this call. But um, coming up, even though Dissolution closes on March 3rd, so you mm -hmm. still have some time to see it, mm -hmm. uh, First Look, which is the museum's um, showcase of you know international boundary-pushing cinema, we're showing 41, I believe, films from 21 countries. We just announced uh, the lineup this week. Um, that takes place mid-March, and there is a film in it, I can now say, uh, that I might extend Welcome to the Machine for. Um, oh. It's a film that is uh, filmed, it's called Nitz Island, and it's filmed entirely inside the video game Days. Oh, that. Oh. Yeah, I really want to see that. So that Ooh. will be the science and one of a few science and screen presentations at First Look. And if David agrees, maybe we cross-list it for Welcome to the Machine and make it like a, you know, like the... In a way, these kind of, you know, secondly, yeah. life multiplayer video games Love that. are the closest yeah. we're getting really to Welcome to Love the Machine. Love that. So yeah, I'll give, yeah, I'll give yeah. that a plug. <laughs> yeah. Great plug. Yeah. yeah. And all the filmmakers great. are coming and, you know, it's yeah. it'll be a fun time. An exciting um, spring the, ahead. When, yeah, I would, by, by all means. Um, I would, I mean, I would love to, yeah, I would love to could screen while the solution was still up, but obviously... I know. Um, that's why I couldn't bring it up before. It's like the no, New York no. premiere. So. Uh, um, I've heard, I've been hearing so much about that movie. Um, I think the only, yeah, the only thing I would add uh, that I guess I should have said earlier is that this movie, this movie dissolution kind of has a plot and the plot is mm. ripped off, is, is kind of, it was inspired by the machine, by the, it was inspired by what the machine could do. I mean, there's a question that you mm. sort of asked, that you wrote us, but it was like the machine had these aesthetics and they're very lo-fi and they're very mm -hmm. high tech, but they're also very lo-fi. The reason, the reason this whole plot happened was me wanting to make a movie for this platform and looking really carefully at it and thinking about like what it's good at and what it's not good at. And because it mm -hmm. felt like the most advanced thing the eighties could, could ever have come up with. Oh, yeah. That's where, and because of the color palette and because of the kind of weird low res high res thing, that's where this idea of like grid space, uh, kind of vaporwave kind of, I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I was like, Oh, okay this is the plot. I mean, the plot is I'm going to rip off that plot of getting zapped in the machine, but I'm going to yeah. think about it in all of its kind of different applications to like life today. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where, but that, that's really, that, you asked about where the story came from. This, I wouldn't have had right. the story if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for this particular kind of projection. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, so the plot is just somebody who, some C-lister in LA who's just been living a terrible life, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, something goes wrong. She keeps changing her story about what happened, but something went wrong. Mm-hmm. And now, now she is in this machine and in a museum and now she's art. And the question yeah. is like, is that, a, is that better? <laughs> <laughs> that works um, yeah now, wow know, that, that's kind of the basic that's kind of the basic plot of the thing which i, I love it. It, it 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 really felt like i was looking at a a genie trapped in its bottle you know what i mean and, and hearing it like kind of go crazy inside its own bottle and man yeah. it, it was it was so awesome david thank you so much again i, I really loved it where else can we find thank you, you on the for, internet like you're loving it um uh, my website's uh, davidlevine.art uh, and um, you can find a bunch of my projects there and on Instagram uh, David Marcel Levine so M-A-R-C-E-L-L-E-V-I-N-E yeah you can like find me there that's mostly that's mostly where I'm to be found great well once again Sonia and David congratulations and thanks so much for being here thank you Alec really nice thanks for the great interview Alec It was such an honor to, to have Sonia and David on to really just geek out about movies and tech. So I do hope you enjoyed our conversation. I want to remind you that there's only four more screenings left in the film series Welcome to the Machine. Those titles are Alphaville on a 4K DCP, Johnny Mnemonic on DCP, World on a Wire on 35mm, and THX 1138 on 35mm. And in case you didn't know, if you buy a ticket to a movie, then it's only $5 extra to get admission to see David's 20-minute holographic film Dissolution, including everything else on view at the Museum of the Moving Image. Links are going to be in the show notes to learn more about how you can plan your visit. And I'm going to be back in a few weeks on this show with a new guest who's going to help me share my reactions and takeaways from the entire film series, Welcome to the Machine, And more thoughts on dissolution as I'll continue to debug it from my brain until then. Follow my show on Substack, Instagram, Letterboxd, Threads, and Blue Sky at Marquee Mixtape. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Substack. Original podcast artwork is created by Christina Montes. She's at Studio Montes on Instagram. Original podcast music is created by Jeremy Bullen. Thanks for listening.